0: You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed.
1: T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today
0: plan
2: savings with three lines of t-mobile essentials versus comparable available plans plan features and taxes and fees may vary
3: this podcast is supported by fedex
4: Good morning. I'm Jane Pauley, and this is Sunday Morning. Remember when big, beautiful sedans ruled the road? Those days are long gone. And that's not all that's changed. Ford and Chevy have done what was once unthinkable. They've stopped making any number of cars exclusively here in the United States. And perhaps the biggest change of all, three of our best-selling new vehicles are trucks, but not your grandfather's pickup. Lee Coward looks at why so many of us just keep on trucking.
5: They come with names like Desert Boss, Tremor, and Rebel. Some can seemingly defy gravity. The humble pickup is humble no more. Do you think it's still a blue-collar vehicle, though? No. (laughs) It's (laughs) it's much more diverse. A pickup pick-me-up, coming up on Sunday morning.
4: From Miracle on 34th Street to It's a Wonderful Life, it is the season that's inspired some of our most beloved movies. And when it comes to holiday fair, Luke Burbank tells us one name stands out in the crowd.
6: When the holidays roll around, there's a cable channel that knows how to turn fake snow into real television gold. Daddy, Daddy?
7: I feel like I'm a part of something that is spreading joy. You're making a sweet story, especially with Christmas.
6: I've heard that uh, you're one of the hunks of Hallmark.
2: (laughs) This I think I can handle.
6: We're getting cozy with Hallmark holiday movies. Ahead on Sunday morning.
4: She got her big break in The Wolf of Wall Street. Just a decade later, Margot Robbie is one of the biggest stars in Hollywood. Tracy Smith has our Sunday Profile.
1: I think you want to become a star.
4: Honey, you don't become a star. You either are one or you ain't. I am.
8: For her
9: new film, Babylon, Margot Robbie went deep into her character, so deep that she says she had a hard time getting out. Is it fair to say you get obsessed?
8: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Do I sound obsessed? Yeah. (laughs) I found it really hard to leave it behind at the end of the job.
9: Margot Robbie and a wild ride through
4: Hollywood history later on Sunday Morning. Connor Knighton turns up the heat and samples the red and green chilies of New Mexico. Serena Altschul has a sweet sampling of a beloved Hanukkah treat plus a story from Steve Hartman. Thoughts on this most wonderful time of the year from Faith Saley and more on Sunday Morning, December 18th, 2022. We'll be back after this. Talk about a special gift for the holidays. One big ticket item that seems to be on a lot of lists this year is the pickup truck. Why are they so popular? With Lee Cowan, let's go for a drive.
1: More and more and more
5: cars. We Americans have long had a crush on our cars. Some trucks are good for only one thing, rough work. But when it comes to a really committed vehicular relationship, well, it's the pickup truck that sets our hearts afloat. Turns out things like towing capacity and payload and really get the motor running. Bring all the
0: gifts for under the tree. And while you're at it, bring the
5: tree. Trucks represented about 20% of U.S. sales this year. That's a tad more than cars. In fact, pickups account for the top three of the five best-selling vehicles. Take Ford's F-Series. It's been America's best-selling truck for over four decades. Just how important are they to Ford's bottom line? We asked CEO Jim Farley.
10: F-Series is the second most valuable consumer product by revenue behind the iPhone. It is enormous. This is the modern horse. It's your reliable partner you can do work on, you can have fun with, you can kind of go anywhere. It just fits an American lifestyle.
5: Pickups are the most popular in the states you'd probably expect. Texas, Wyoming, North Dakota, and the like. Where construction, ranching, and hauling are a way of life. But there are plenty of coastal pickups now, too. And hey, look at this, though. We'll steer clear of pickup politics here, but suffice it to say that you can't get sales numbers that big by selling pickups in red states alone. It's millennials, according to JD Power, who buy the most new trucks these days. And yes, some have no desire to haul anything more than a bag of groceries.
0: Oh, actually, that was supposed to be for me. I love it. I don't need them for anything. I could drive anything. I just get it. I just drive it getting from point
5: A to point B. The number of women interested in pickups has been growing almost every year, too. Do you need a truck or you just like the way they look? Um,
9: I like the blue one. <laughs>
5: <laughs> the mid sized truck market is heated up too, like Chevy's Colorado, Ford's Ranger, GMC's Canyon. They may look smaller, but they can be just as capable. Introducing the all-electric Chevy Silverado. And of course, all-electric pickups are no longer a fantasy anymore. While well, they're far from a farmer's friend just yet, it is another sign that pickups aren't going anywhere. But when it comes down to the question of why, just why do we love something with four wheels and a bed so much? Well, it turns out that's a lot like asking people, why do you like hot dogs at baseball games? Pickups are Americana. And just like hot dogs, you better not get between a hungry fan and their mustard. I've seen more bar
0: fights over what truck you drive than I've seen anything else. <laughs> I mean it's competitive right there's no country song about
5: a camry that's tim esterdahl publisher of pickup truck plus suv talk who says buyers seem especially keen on the idea of keeping up with the Joneses' pickup
0: we want to bragging rights right so you know when ram came out with their new truck the heavy duty has a thousand foot pounds of torque the sign was 15 feet high with numbers. <laughs> 1,000 pound feet of torque, you know. And I mean, I want to you want to buy that truck and say, hey, I got 1,000 foot pounds of torque. You know, I never going to use it. I have no idea how to use it, but I got it.
5: That's the Ram 1500 TRX. You likely won't be boulder crawling on the way to drop your kids off at school. Nor will you be flying over traffic like this. But you've got to dig deep to own one. They start around 80 grand. Holla, Holla. GMC's all-electric super truck, the Hummer EV, costs over 100 grand. You might not need all of its off-road capability, but to people like Rika Williams, that's not the point.
3: It's not about what you need, it's, what about, it's about what you like, like what it. you enjoy, what you deserve. Yeah. Okay. And you know what, honey? I deserve this.
5: <laughs> the biggest capacity many trucks boast of these days is the amount of luxury in tow. There's a press conference once
0: for Ram. They're launching a new truck, and they, I went to see and He's done. I said, I didn't know you're talking about a full size truck
5: or a Chanel handbag. Quilted leather, heated steering wheels, panoramic sunroofs are all riches of the modern truck that have some old school Texas ranchers like Pat Mackey scratching their farmer's tan.
1: I mean, I've never seen anybody stand up in the sunroof and rope a cow on the top of I don't think you need a sunroof and
5: all that stuff in there. While big may be better on a ranch, maybe not in traffic. Some of the biggest trucks these days have grills so blunt and so high. Critics worry they create a blind zone, dwarfing bicyclists, pedestrians, and especially children. They look like they're getting bigger and bigger and bigger. (laughs) every year are they well over time they have gotten bigger
6: yeah. the cabs grew two rows of seats better for families and transporting people
5: that's ford executive ted canis who points out that many of today's trucks including ford have technologies like pre-collision assist with pedestrian detection and automatic emergency braking all pretty high-tech stuff for a truck Dodge gives you toughness, traction, and a ton of know-how in four-wheel-drive. The trucks we used to know were as homely as a hound dog. Dents were character. Rust offered a two-tone look. And the dash, well, that was just a place for smokes. As our longtime Sunday morning humorist Roger Welsh once observed.
10: Most of the stuff in real pickup trucks should be unusable or unidentifiable. Real pickup trucks have things growing in the bed or in the cab. Our three quarter ton Chevy Cheyenne is actually pulling 187
1: tons on this level road.
5: That legacy is still present. Trucks remain the symbol of Dust Bowl determination. But these days you can dress them up or dress them down, drive up walls or drive down Wall Street.
2: This is great.
5: (laughs) Not bad for something Henry Ford once envisioned as simply a way to haul some
10: hay. Way to go. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than just a car or a house. It's the four wheels that get you where you're going and the four walls that welcome you home. When you combine auto and home insurance with Amica, we'll help protect it all. And the more you cover, the more you can save. Amica, empathy is our best policy.
4: Hanukkah is a holiday rich with traditions. Serena Altschul tells us about one particularly sweet one, the donut.
11: When the sun sets tonight, families around the world will gather to celebrate the Festival of Lights. They'll light a menorah, maybe open gifts. But for some, the beginning of Hanukkah means the end to a year-long wait. When do they start asking for jelly donuts and sufganiyat? Summer. Summer? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, seriously. You won't find any holes in this fried treat. Hanukkah donuts, or sufganiyot, are filled and topped. Berry jam and powdered sugar are traditional finishes. But at Adir Mikhali's namesake bakery in New York City, he's mixing things up.
6: So other than the classic uh, strawberry jam, we have the dulce de leche, we have the pistachio cream topped with some um, strawberry, we have the halva
11: cream, we have the hazelnut, it's hazelnut and milk chocolate, Kids would love that. Adults and kids alike line up for the treats.
8: Um, can I get one of the uh, soup candy please?
11: Yeah. This year, Michele expects to sell over 20,000 of his sweet delights during the holiday. <laughs> Hanukkah commemorates the military victory of the Maccabees over the Syrian Greek army. But the real miracle the oil-burning menorah in the besieged temple continued to shine for eight days, even though, according to the story, there was only enough oil to last one. We've long had the latke, or potato pancake, to remember the marvel. Sufganiyot came much later, according to culinary history expert Avery Robinson.
5: The jelly donut came into the Hanukkah celebration as the sufganiyah about 100 years ago in the 1920s. So it's new. It's pretty new. All <laughs> things considered, it is a very new thing.
11: Sufganiyot may be new, but its origins go way
5: back. The earliest compilation of rabbinic texts, the Mishnah, which was redacted and compiled around 200 CE, uh, there is a discussion about different types of dough.
11: Discussion, but no definition. Until Israeli bakeries, years later, decided to borrow a tradition they had seen popularized
5: elsewhere. So when Jews were living in Central Europe in the 19th and early 20th century, and these Jews came to Israel as bakers, or pre-state Israel as bakers, they came with this knowledge and tradition and understanding of these donuts around them.
11: To make it work for the Jewish holiday, a few things had to change.
5: So many of those donuts may have been cooked in lard, but we will cook them in oil, because that's what we're supposed to do on Hanukkah. There's one thing that we're supposed to do on Hanukkah that's not light candles, it is oil.
11: And that's how it's been done ever since. The method for making these is precise. Each donut here is weighed, hand rolled, and meticulously topped. The process takes almost three hours for Michele, Though, there is a little room for some fun. But I'm gonna make a big mess. Make a mess, it's all about mess. How much sugar do you like? As much as you can put. Oh, make it snow. I would double that. You would? Yeah. Double it? Yeah. Oh my God. With each bite, a burst of flavor, a celebration, and a reminder of those eight special nights. One a day? More than one. More than one. Balance, right? Donuts, balance with a little exercise. Uh,
6: There is no balance with donuts, but (laughs) but balance in general. (laughs)
11: Cheers. L'chaim. L'chaim.
4: on the Hallmark Channel as Luke Burbank explains for many of us they're the hallmark of a memorable holiday season
6: an abandoned strip mall in Ottawa Ontario Canada in the middle of the night in October might not seem like the place you'd go to make Christmas magic but that's exactly what was happening earlier this year as holiday heritage was being filmed
12: how are things in Boston
9: Good. I got the building. Ella, you signed the lease? Three, Two, two,
12: one.
6: Just one of a seemingly endless number of holiday movies created by, of all companies, a greeting card corporation.
1: Did you know about this? Of course I knew.
6: Yes, it's Hallmark holiday movie season. That special time of year when millions of Americans tune into the channel and throw away their remote until January.
7: I love Christmas. I really do. Since I was a little girl, I lived for Christmas.
6: Lots of folks know Lacey Chabert from Party of Five, or Mean Girls, where she tried to make fetch a thing.
7: Oh, so fetch. That is so fetch. Gretchen.
6: But these days, with 55 movies for the network under her belt, she's more known as the queen of the Hallmark movies.
7: I love that I get to live in Christmas land in July when we're usually filming these movies. And even though we're wearing seven coats and it's 108 degrees outside and you're about to faint because you're sweating so badly. I was decorating the house with Santa's helpers and I, I just lost track of time.
6: Hallmark shoots the films during the summer so they can be ready in time for the holidays. When the company says its channel is the number one most watched entertainment cable network in prime time among all women over the age of 18.
7: You know, I feel like I'm a part of something that is spreading joy. And you know what, you even feel that on set. There is something about when people come to work for Hallmark, you're making a sweet story, especially with Christmas.
6: Can I
5: please hold your hand?
6: And it's a winning strategy for the company, who made 31 holiday films this year alone. How do they do it? Well, by shooting an entire film, sometimes in just 15 days, and using much of the same cast for the different projects.
7: It's true. We all support each other's movies. We're rooting for each other.
6: So it is sort of like the Marvel universe, but like with more cookies. <laughs>
7: it's a perfect way of saying it. More cookies and a little more glitter. Hi, 911. Yes, I'd like to report a very strange man.
6: And also, a particular kind of wholesome acting that I wanted to try my hand at. What are you looking for as far as how you want the characters to really read to the audience.
7: Well, there always has to be truthfulness. You always have to tell the truth, otherwise people can tell when you're not. And so, bringing you know as much of yourself to it, being as authentic as possible, looking for the comedy, trying to be a good scene partner. Hi, nine one one. I would like to report a very strange man wandering around my property.
6: Come on, I'm, I'm not that strange, and you're not on with nine one one, are you?
7: No, but I will be if you don't tell me what you're doing.
6: I'm just, I'm checking on some things.
7: Oh, let me guess, HOA things? How'd you know? My dad used to sneak around other people's houses looking for violations too. He
6: is such a legend.
7: What does the HOA think about noise levels in
0: the morning? It's actually a very strict policy, nothing above 90 decibels before 9 a.m.
6: Hallmark opted to hire Wes Brown, and not me, to play the role of Jared in Hall Out the Holly. I've heard that uh, you're one of the, uh, the hunks of Hallmark. <laughs>
0: Is that true? I don't know. Is it? Okay. I love being a part of this group so much, and uh, there's so many of those other hunks you're talking about that are good friends of mine and good people, so uh, to be in that, in that family, I'm a very blessed man.
6: Speaking of fans of the films, you just watch it and enjoy it. I wanted to talk to one to find out what the appeal is. Luckily, I knew one very well. My actual sister, Hannah, and my niece, Maddie. We met at their house to get cozy and get some answers.
12: It's the girl next door, the boy next door, it's haven't seen you for 15 years type of thing. And, and you know, I don't know, it's just something very romantic about that.
6: I am not of that school. In every one of these films, this there's always a Christmas fungulated. cookie situation.
12: That is a feeling of like what, what Christmas is supposed to be. Like you're mm. supposed to be relaxed and in, enjoying, you know, the, the snow and the music and the movies and the lights and eating Christmas cookies. Like, that's a part of the whole thing, what you should be doing to relax at Christmas time.
6: We're trying to do more character-driven stories. Lisa hamilton Daly is Executive Vice President of Programming at Hallmark. I think sometimes, uh, you know, these things end up being
11: situation-driven, which is outside forces working on the characters, and from a creative perspective, we're trying to really reflect the reality and the lived experience of different kinds of
6: people.
10: For instance, this
6: year, Hallmark featured its first two gay lead characters. But Hamilton's boss, Hallmark Films CEO Wanya Lucas, says it's also people of color who need more representation on the network, which has traditionally been very white.
3: I think what's important is that we understand that based on race or based on gender or based on ethnicity, people are not a monolith, right? People are different and they're multi-layered and that's what
9: we're trying to bring to life.
6: One of the people bringing those characters to life is Holly Robinson-Pete, the star of Holiday Heritage, where our story started. Remember, Ottawa, fake snow?
9: I literally lobbied to be part of this network. And I've always loved Christmas. Look, my name is Holly, come on. For the elders from whom we can learn much. And this movie that we're doing now is about Kwanzaa. It's the very first... Hallmark Channel Kwanzaa movie. And boy, did they get the right person
11: to be in it because I raised my kids on Kwanzaa.
6: Meanwhile, back at Hallmark Central, I was wrapping up my big audition with the queen of Hallmark, Lacey Chabert. This is a Hallmark movie. You should at least show up to the meeting and tell them you're not taking part yourself. I mean, you told everyone you'd be there.
7: Because I was pressured to say yes in front of the whole town. Not cool.
6: And scene.
7: I don't know how to say this to you, but you're hired. You're <laughs> hired. <Ooh. laughs> that was,
6: awesome. that was. That, was, that very... was the most nervous I've ever been. So maybe I didn't quite have it to be a hunk of Hallmark. How much of a prerequisite is immaculate hair?
0: It, it's a prerequisite. Or they, or they make you, you know do something about it
6: but that's all right the channel's got plenty of actors and fake snow and let's be honest extremely earnest plot lines to keep its fans watching for many holidays to come
1: man that sunset is gorgeous
11: grill patio sunset
4: From Santa Fe, Connor Knighton has a burning question. Red or green?
2: It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas on the streets of Santa Fe, New Mexico. The central plaza sparkles with lights. Ferralitos, little lanterns, line the rooftops. Even City Hall is showered in shades of bright red and green. But you can find those colors all year long in the kitchens of New Mexico, where the meaning of Christmas takes on a different flavor. Green, red, or Christmas today? Christmas. OK. At Tia Sofia's restaurant, diners deck their dishes with sauces made of red or green chilies. Green chili, red, or Christmas? Christmas. Whenever they can't decide, they get a bit of both.
9: There's different complexities to the red and the green, but they're both amazingly good.
11: That's why I get Christmas, because I love both of them so much.
2: Chilies are everywhere in New Mexico. You gotta love chili if you wanna live in this city. The state license plate proclaims it the chili capital of the world. They're collected in bunches, decorated with bows, even used to trim the trees. But when it comes to cuisine, they're far more than
1: ornamental. It rankles me when people call the chili a sauce, and it's my own personal hangup, I'm sure, but it's such an integral part of the meal. There you go. Nick Mariel
2: is the owner of Tia Sophia's. His parents opened the popular Santa Fe restaurant in 1975. According to local legend, a former waitress, Martha Ratuno, was the first to call the colorful chili combo Christmas. She started to
1: encourage people to get both, get both the red and the green. And, you know, one day she hit upon the idea of calling it Christmas. How true do you think that story is? 90 percent.
2: <laughs> all right. Today, it's New Mexico's official state question. But the choice between red and green isn't as black and white as you might think. It's all technically the same plant.
12: So really, the difference between red chili and green chili is the difference between a grape and a raisin. Ah, okay. One is fresh, one is dry. Chef Mika
2: Chavez teaches courses on New Mexico cuisine at the Santa Fe School of Cooking.
12: We're the only region in the Southwest to do this. I'm originally from El Paso, Texas. You see red chili, you see green chili, you don't see red and green.
2: Hatch, New Mexico is the state's best-known chili-producing region.
12: Because we have such hard, mineral-rich, packed soil, our chili is gonna take on a different flavor than something grown, say, in California.
2: Those green chilies, allowed to ripen and dry in the sun, turn red creating a different texture, and a somewhat sweeter, more complicated flavor. People come for the
12: green, but you stay for the red.
2: While the chili typically ends up on dishes like enchiladas, which means in chili, it can go on anything. Just ask Albuquerque's most famous fictional methamphetamine chef.
1: Hey, we've got
0: omelettes. You want an omelette? No, I'm good. New Mexican Christmas-style red and green chilies.
6: Over those fields we go, you know, laughing all the way, ha!
2: You never need a reason, Christmas or a season, to consume chilies in New Mexico. New Mexicans eat
1: chili three meals a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year.
12: People from around the world don't have the same obsession with chili that we do. We realize that. We don't understand it, but we realize it.
2: Here, every day can be Christmas.
12: To
6: Steve
4: Hartman, with a story about a simple act of kindness and the lives it changed. I really like this one.
1: For Ida Zhugai of Boston, Massachusetts, no matter what shows up under the tree this year, she says no present will ever compare to a gift she got back in 1999 on one of the scariest days of her life. Civil war was raging in Yugoslavia, bombs closing in on her family. So, Ida's parents put their 11-year-old daughter and her sister on a plane to the U.S. by themselves. Ida vividly remembers the fear, but remembers just as well the comforting stranger seated next to her, an American. I remember how
11: kind she was to us, you know, treating us like her family. So, it was a bit of a shock, to be honest.
1: Especially when she handed you the envelope?
11: Yeah, I couldn't believe that somebody had so much empathy.
1: The outside of the envelope read, in part, I hope your stay in America will be a safe and happy one. Signed, a friend from the plane, Tracy. And when Ida opened it, she found a $100 bill inside. Ida and her sister moved in with a relative, who didn't have too much more than they did. So that $100 bill fed the family for three months. And Ida says it continues to feed her soul to this very day.
11: That's why I actually kept Tracy's letter, because uh, it's a reminder to me that people are good.
1: It has also been a main driver in her life. Ida owns two businesses that promote environmental and social justice.
11: The reason why I do what I do is because of Tracy. Every decision that I made had to do with paying it forward.
13: I was wondering if you can help me find Tracy.
1: A few years ago, Ida put word out on social media hoping to find the woman who gave her life direction. She spent years searching until not long ago when her message finally got through to Tracy Peck of Blaine, Minnesota. Tracy, Ida, and her sister Vanya reunited last weekend.
4: We just stood there and hugged and cried and I just felt such a deep love for them.
9: I can't wait to come to your wedding.
1: Tracy Peck gave away $100 to total strangers. But she says the gift she has gotten in return is far more precious.
4: They've taught me the slightest thing that you can do for someone you don't realize what impact that's going to have on their life. We have no idea.
1: But if you're lucky, maybe someday you will.
3: Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders, while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
10: So I presume you're Italian?
8: On my dad's side, I'm also Dutch,
4: German, English. I'm a mutt.
10: And you're a mutt.
4: She still seems like a fresh face, but actor and producer Margot Robbie has more than two dozen films to her credit. Along with two Oscar nominations. Tracy Smith has a Sunday profile.
7: And with the rest of the tourists, here we go through the Paramount Gate.
4: In the movie biz, the Paramount
9: Lot in Los Angeles has always been sacred ground, a crossroads for stars of all sizes. And it still is. What's it like walking around here now?
8: I love it. I just have so I, I remember when shooting up there. I remember I did all my dance lessons around there. It was so surreal being on the Paramount lot. Two-time Oscar nominee Margot Robbie says it's a place she never gets tired of. It's so exciting. There is nowhere more magical, nowhere more fun than a movie set. And she should know. Where do you say we come in for my close-up now?
9: Her new film, Babylon, from our parent company, Paramount, is a picture made the way they used to make them, and maybe never will again. Director Damien Chazelle takes us on a three-hour-plus deep dive into the chaotic underbelly of 1920s Hollywood, an epic story told in beautiful and sometimes lurid detail, with Robbie's character running off the rails in a place where the parties never seem to end. It seems like you're all about taking risks.
8: Yeah. <laughs> I like taking risks. I, what can I say? I'm a thrill seeker. It, it doesn't scare the out of me. I normally don't really go for it and the girl seems nice
10: she is she has no idea what's next
8: and in babylon
9: there was a lot to be scared of Any big tears big you got it that gum? her character the young actress nelly Leroy is a hungry outsider who turns out to be talented beyond anyone's expectations with powers like the ability to cry her heart out On command.
8: Cut. (laughs) Hi, uh, I'm Nellie Leroy. So, we go on again? Okay, so let's talk about this crying IQ thing. You can really do that. Yes, I did 300 and something episodes on a soap, so I had a fair share of practice <laughs> crying on cue. How? I don't know. Maybe, I think it's like a muscle. I could say to a director, do you want it on my left eye or right eye? Stop. And tell me the word you want it to drop. And what, what is going <laughs> through your head? Like, where does it come from? I don't know. Just, honestly, it sounds so stupid and, and derivative, but I just think of something sad.
12: <laughs>
9: but in her life, she says, there's really not much to be sad about. Margot Robbie was raised by a single mom in Queensland, Australia. Through sheer persistence, she hit pay dirt at age 17 with a role on the popular Aussie soap, Neighbors. Cue the tears.
12: No, he, prom- he
8: promised me he would be home for a special night. She was a perfect fit for the show. Almost. I had a very strong Australian accent. It was too Australian to for neighbors? Two Australian for neighbors. They had a dialect coach come in to make me sound less Australian <laughs> for the most Australian TV show ever. What is, ever. can you do it? What's a two oh, Australian God. accent? It was very like, oh, how's it going? Like, just, just not nice on the ear. And they tried to round it out. They're like, you're so nasal. We need to just round that out. So ask yourselves, why would Pan Am, the best airline in the world, promote someone so young?
9: But her American accent was good enough to land her a series here, Pan Am, in 2011. It only lasted one season, so she started sending out audition tapes, including a Hail Mary pass to a casting agent for a new Martin Scorsese film, The Wolf of Wall Street.
8: No part of me considered that I would ever, (laughs) my tape would ever be seen by Martin Scorsese. And she was as
9: surprised as anyone when she got a bite. But when they first told you, oh, yeah, Marty wants
8: to see you, your reaction was? I was so confused. I didn't know who Marty was, to be honest. I was like, they said Marty. They're like, Marty wants to see you. And I was like, who is Marty? Like, Martin Scorsese. And I was like, how does he know who I am? They're like, he watched your tape. And I was like, Martin Scorsese watched my audition tape? And they're like, yeah. And he wants you to come in and read with Leo. And I was like, Leo as in Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh, my God. I'm on nickname basis already with everyone. Um, yeah, it was wild. We're going to be friends.
10: Yeah. You want to be my friend?
9: We're not going to be friends. Her performance opened a lot of eyes and a lot of doors. Since then, she's played everything from the Queen of England.
8: Young. Clever.
9: Confidence. To a real doll in the upcoming film, Barbie. To a complete psychopath.
10: Seriously, the hell's wrong with you people?
9: We're bad guys, it's what we do. And she went from breaking glass windows to glass ceilings. In 2014, she started her own production company to make female-focused films like this one. For the movie I Tanya, Robbie actually learned to skate like an Olympic figure skater and to fight like, well, Tanya Harding. I outskated
8: him today. We also judge on presentation.
9: Her turn as Tanya got her the first of two Oscar nods, but also put her on the map as a producer, drawing comparisons to Katherine Hepburn, who used her own business sense to help bring the Philadelphia story to the screen.
8: I'm such an unholy mess of a girl. What do you think of that comparison? Uh, I mean, there could be no high praise for me because I adore <laughs> Catherine Hepburn. Um, but yes, I think I, I definitely have that kind of, I've always been like a bit of a, like, yeah, I've had a business-savvy brain. I mean like I and Robbie's
9: success has allowed her to do things even more important to her than movies. When you got your first paycheck, you had kept a written record of all the money that you'd borrowed from your mom?
8: God, you do your research. Yeah. Yeah, I, I have that piece of paper still. I kept it, um... Yeah, everything I owed my mom, I, I had it written down. She'd take money out of like the, the house mortgage, lend me money. So I always knew, I was like, oh, I gotta pay that back. And then one day when I made enough money, I just paid that whole mortgage off completely. I was like, mom, don't even worry about that mortgage anymore. It doesn't even exist anymore. You paid off her house? Yeah. That's I, I awesome. think any, Honestly, anyone in my position, you'd, you'd do that for your mom, of course you would. <laughs> Margot.
9: Of course, she's made her mom proud in other ways this year the british film academy celebrated her lifetime in film never mind that she's only 32.
8: does it feel kind of weird to get that at such a fairly young age yeah i i at first i was like i don't think i should be getting this like am i too young to be getting anything that has the word lifetime in it um but then i was like but i'll take it thanks no no honey don't worry about that the car is not mine
9: and with her latest role, it's clear that she's earned her own place in Hollywood history.
8: I mean, it's, it's iconic. All these studio lots are, especially this one. I know I'm hardworking and blah, 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 but I'm also the luckiest, 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 yeah, person in the world. You know, every time that I did something, I was like, oh, now it's the top. It will never get better than this. And then somehow it's just kept getting better and better. I'm so, so grateful and lucky.
4: With just a handful of shopping days until Christmas, Santa Claus is coming to town, and our faith Saley can hardly wait.
13: I've known Santa for 50 years, or I guess he's known me. When I was really little, Santa brought me presents and joy. You can see here, I was stupefied with joy. As kids, my brothers and I actually heard reindeer hooves on the roof. And I once talked to Santa on the phone. I called the North Pole and he knew that I wanted a tape recorder and a cassette tape of Annie. As I grew up, Santa continued to visit, except the things I asked for changed. When I was 39 and single, I sat on Santa's lap and asked for a baby. Two Christmases later, I was a married mother. Santa delivers. In bringing my own kids to sit on his lap, Santa offered me a new kind of joy. Their lists are now in cursive. We leave Christmas Eve cookies and carrots out for Santa and his reindeer. On Christmas morning, we find the remnants of Santa and Rudolph's snacks and proof of his visit in the form of ashy boot prints. What do you see in there, guys? Look,
12: a footprint.
13: The year COVID prevented us from our traditional Christmas visit to my dad's house, Santa still found us in our apartment that doesn't even have a fireplace. The older I get, the closer I am to Santa. I see him more. I feel like I know him, and I have a deeper understanding of how hard he works to bring hope, the joy he feels when he gives, not just to children, but to all of us who yearn to believe. Santa reminds us that at least for a short time every year, when the nights are long, all of us grown-up kids can experience the gift of magic.
4: Thank you for listening. Please join us when our trumpet sounds again next Sunday morning.